So we're talking about this spiritual activation, what it means to be spiritually activated. I really feel like today is a significant message. In fact, it's been interesting because as, as I'm looking at the tabernacle, you know, this is something I've looked at for years, and I'm kind of learning it all over again because it's just so vast. Um, there's no way to stand up and give a few lectures that are going to do this topic any kind of remote justice. Uh, today we're going to talk about the candlestick, the menorah, what that really is. There's more than what I'm going to say on the blog. I would invite you to go there and, uh, and read through some of those things and just allow the Holy Spirit to talk to you about this important mechanism that God has revealed, this analogy we find in Scripture. God did what He did on purpose so that we could understand some things. And I, I, I just know God wants to stir a deeper understanding of who Jesus is as a result of it all. He's revealed in every step of the way. And we need to understand the importance of just constantly chasing after pursuing Him. So on the blog every week, especially during this season of time, at the end of the blog you'll find the Tabernacle Prayer. And this was written by a pastor named Yang Cho. And many of you will know his name. Pastor is the largest church in the world. Amazing, amazing ministry leader. Did this teaching through the tabernacle, cultivated this prayer. It's an elaborate prayer. I took some time with it early this morning, just praying through the pieces of furniture, what they really mean. And I want to walk you through that video journey um, that we introduced this with a few weeks ago. So if you guys would go ahead and start that. The tabernacle took nine months to put together in the wilderness. It's the carrier of the presence of God. You and I took nine months in the womb. We are now the carriers of the presence of God. That's significant. So as you come in, you see there's one gate. That gate is who? Jesus. He's the gate. We go through the gate, and we find the brazen altar. The first stop is not to go to the labor where we clean ourselves up. It's to go to the altar where the sacrifice is made so that we can understand the grace of God. Would everybody just say grace? It's important you understand that's all about grace. Then we go to the labor. The labor is the next station. That's what we talked about last week. And it's where a cleansing takes place. It's after the priest does the sacrifices, goes to the labor, and the basin of that bottom top, that's a mirror element, polished brass, and you see the reflection of yourself uh, unless you're having gone to the sacrifice first. Then you're washing your hands, and what you see is the blood. And that's what we need to understand. When God looks at us, He looks at the sacrifice of Christ. Then we go into the holy place. And as you go into the holy place, this is where we are today. We're going to talk about this candlestick. Notice one tall candle in the middle and six branches coming off to the sides. All very significant. This is the only light in the holy place. There's not natural light in the room. There's candle light in the room. It's about illumination. It's about revelation, casting light specifically on the table of showbread, which we'll talk about next week. That's 12 loaves of bread stacked flat uh, pieces of bread like that, pitchers and golden pitchers, golden cups on there. All that is extremely significant. We then move over to the incense altar. This is the altar of incense, again, golden. This is where incense is going up 24 hours a day to God. The Bible says the prayers of the saints are as the incense of the Lord. If we stir our coals as the priest did morning and night, 24 hours a day, there's a prayerful expression emanating out of us. It's going to be powerful as we begin to understand that. We then go into the most holy place, and there's the atonement cover on the Ark of the Covenant. As that is removed, you begin to see the three components that are placed within there. Those three components are incredibly significant. And again, all of this speaks of Jesus Christ. It all speaks of Christ. And in there you see the pot of manna speaking to us about how Israel rejected the provision of God. 
And then after that, you see the rod of Aaron speaking to us about how Israel rejected the authority of God. And then we see the Ten Commandments, and it reminds us of how Israel rejected the law of God and in disobedience never fulfilled it. What does God do with the three most embarrassing expressions of Israel? He keeps them in the Ark of the Covenant and places over the top of them, not an exposing for everybody to look at their humiliation, but what's called the atonement cover. The atonement cover is an interesting word, atonement. If you break it down into three expressions, it's at one minute so that you and I are at one with God because of the sacrifice of Christ. Then the shed blood of the sacrifice splashed over the top of that. When God looks down, he doesn't see the mistakes of Israel. He sees the sacrifice that was made for their sin. All of this speaks very clearly of an expression of the cross of Jesus Christ. Everything about this centers around preparing us to have a greater understanding of what this is all about, that Jesus has come. He is the Messiah. He died on the cross that you and I might have life. Every piece, every step of this progression is really important to you. The prayer that we have, it takes you a while to pray through it. But the reason we say be spiritually activated and we're giving you this specific prayer to emphasize, it's not like this prayer is some magical, uh, you know, spell that, that you, you, you use, but this is a prayer. This is like you get yourself before the Lord and you just pay attention step by step and we walk you through what I just said on a very much more elaborate scale. And just before the Lord, you allow him to begin to spiritually activate your life as you walk through this. Your brokenness is what we are trying to uh, really introduce everybody to. And next year, particularly in 2019, we're going to take a stronger emphasis of understanding what that's really about. But you need to understand there, there are gifts and there are anointings, and you are gifted and you are anointed, and the gifting and the anointing should work together in your life. There are people who are gifted, but they're not submitted to God, and a gift without brokenness produces arrogance and pride, but a gift, when somebody is gifted and they are broken, then out of that giftedness comes the anointing of God. The anointing won't flow out of your merely being gifted, the anointing flows when you learn to be broken. And once you are broken, then the anointing comes, and it is the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. It's not the gift that destroys the yoke of bondage. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. And I am serving notice on every yoke of bondage by the anointing in Jesus' mighty name that we begin to be liberated more. Come on, help me today. Liberated more into everything God has called us to become. We call it forth in Jesus' mighty name. We need Him. Are you in the Word? Do you understand the turn-the-page challenge, how simple that is? This last week, I was talking with Evan, and we were just discussing about his Bible and how to read his Bible, and, and, and Evan's coming to the church. Evan, wave your hand handsome dog sitting over here. Evan has just decided that it is time to bring his life into full flame for the Lord Jesus Christ. He's hungry for more. I'm hungry for more. We're hungry for more. We want to go deeper. And I just began to talk with him about the turn the page challenge, and I could just see it registered. And, and the next morning, we talked a little bit about starting in the book of Genesis, writing the date at the top of the page, and every day, just turn the page. Every day, just stay in the Word. Even when you don't understand, don't worry about it. 
Just keep turning the page. You're feeding your spirit. You're awakening something. You're becoming spiritually activated by staying true to being in the Word. You don't have to be a scholar to do this. This is just basic Christianity 101. Wake up your spirit, man. Turn on your worship music, spend time in prayer. This is where you start to discover what it is to be broken before the Lord. It's purposing inconvenience for the purpose of God. It's spending time missing a meal during the week because you're hungry for something more than what this world has to offer. That's called fasting and prayer. It's gathering, not just when it's convenient, but sacrificially we gather together in a place of worship. It's loving people, not when they love us. It's loving people when they're unlovable, just like God loved us when we were unlovable. It's not, being con- it's not about convenience, it's about sacrifice. It's about serving people. How many of you, you work at a place and people don't clean up after themselves and you wish they would clean up after themselves and then when you start listening to what God is saying, he's probably telling you clean up after them as an act of service unto him, not for them. That's brokenness. That's just coming before the Lord saying, these jerks don't deserve me. (laughs) And he says the same of you. And because he poured out his grace to an undeserving you, he's asking you to pour out your grace to undeserving others. That's brokenness. That releases God's kingdom. It's loving, serving, it's giving. It's taking every time I have increase in my life and worshiping God with what the Bible references as tithes and offerings. It's something very sacred to God, and it's always been a part of his plan for worship. And it's easy to talk about these things, but when you really start living it out and you have to get sacrificial about your expression, that's when you start to discover what it truly is, what it truly is to be broken in the hands of God. And so today, as we look at what it is to move into the holy place, we've come in from the outer courts now into the holy place, and the first thing we see on the left is the candlestick that we just saw in that progression, in that video. This is the menorah. This speaks of light. It speaks of illumination. It symbolizes divine understanding of the Word. Now, it's interesting. This is, this is going to be a theological uh, expansion here when I even reference this verse because I'm not going to try and give you explanation. Uh, maybe there are theologians in the room who can really break this down well for you. But the thing I want you to understand, the lamps on fire, the lamps burning is something that's significant for all eternity in heaven. We read about this expression in Revelation chapter 4 on more of an expansive terminology than what we're seeing in the Old Testament. Everything in the Old Testament is just a shadow of what is to be revealed or what is to come. Revelation chapter 4 verse 5, it says, in front of the throne of God, seven lamps were blazing. These are the Seven spirits of God. Seven spirits of God. When you start talking about that language and trying to understand what's going on, perhaps this is referencing the seven characteristics of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to try and break all that down for you theologically, but I am going to just make sure I reference it because when you're reading Young Cho's prayer, you will find this. And I want to read this particular portion of prayer. And just so you know, what he's referencing in his prayer, the seven characteristics of the Spirit of God revealed in Isaiah chapter 11. 
And this is how he says it. This is when you read this prayer, you're going through in your mind what the progression of the tabernacle really is. It says, I open the curtain and walk into the holy place, and there I see the candlestick, symbolic of the Holy Spirit, the sevenfold Spirit of God, wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, the fear of the Lord, and holiness. This is the, this is the prayer. Holy Spirit, I welcome a deeper, more intimate relationship with you today. Do you want that? Do you know that the Bible says you have not because you ask not? And if we'll take some time with that which God is stirring in the house in this season, perhaps you're going to experience something you've never experienced before. Holy Spirit, I welcome a deeper, more intimate relationship with you. Through your anointing, God, give me your wisdom. Help me to solve all the problems I face today through your wisdom. Give me understanding so that I may understand the deep truths of God and that I may live those truths and pass them on to my children. That is a powerful expression of a prayer. I want to align myself with people who really know how to pray. That's what this is about. We're trying to pick up on a revelation that this individual is carrying for the body of Christ to awaken something more deep within our own hearts that we might become all that God has called us to become. So this illumination comes, this menorah is a stem. Remember when you saw it on the video, there's a tall stem, and then on the sides there are three on each side. So you've got a tall stem speaking of Christ, the true light of the world, and then you have six stems coming out. It's all one piece. It's not multiple components. It's all one. How many of you know you and I are one with Christ? That's what this is saying to us. There are six stems, uh, six branches coming out of the one stem. Six is the number of man. The trinity of humanity is the, the Antichrist. It's when, it's when humanity tries to step into de- deity and express itself as trinity, 666. That's what we find in the book of Revelation. So six is the number of humanity. So we see six branches out of one vine, one stem. Anybody starting to clue into any verses that you think of when Jesus would say in John 15, verse 5, he was always pointing back to this stuff. I think constantly getting under the skin of the religious fairy that didn't want to believe he was truly the Messiah. He said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. I want to say to you today that Christ in you and you in Christ become the menorah of God, the candle of God to a darkened world that needs the light of Christ that is awakened within us. Jesus said, I am the light of the world in John chapter 8. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus said in John chapter 9 verse 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So what happened when Jesus went and seated at the right hand of the Father? The light went out. No, the menorah is the expression of Christ through the six branches. Humanity, the church, awakened to the revelation of Christ. The menorah is this. There's fire on the end of every tip. And the reason there's fire is because in those branches there is oil that's flowing from the stem. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You and I are the church on fire for God as the anointing of the Spirit of God is awakening things within us. We're doing more than listening to a motivational speaker today. There's an anointing being awakened within our hearts and lives, every single one of us in the room. Will you cooperate with what God desires to do? He said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And then we read in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16, you are the light of the world. 
Jesus is saying, you are the light of the world. A city that is on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. All of a sudden, I'm understanding this a little more. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So write this in in the blank, if you would, please. I've said it already. The church is God's menorah in the earth, God's spirit-filled children who burn with God's divine fire, declaring truth and power with anointing. That's who you and I are. This is who you and I are called to be. May God grant us wisdom to walk this out, to hear His voice. My prayer this entire year, this is a year of flourishing. 2018 is a year of flourishing. And in the beginning of the year, I began to pray this prayer, and I, I prayed it this morning. I'm praying it consistently over you as a church family that we would hear the voice of God with clarity. My specific prayer is, Lord, let conversations become confirmations that we're all hearing the voice of God. All of a sudden, you have a conversation with somebody, and they say, you have no idea how much I needed to hear that. You're having a conversation with somebody, and they say, that's exactly what I've been sensing. It's, it's illumination. You've become the candlestick. You've brought enlightenment to a situation. God is revealing the flame of the Spirit in our lives when this takes place. I just want to point out last week, uh, as I was talking about in the outer courts, if you recall, I was discussing this whole perspective about uh, in, in the outer courts, we find grace at the altar and truth at the labor. The labor is for cleansing, but first we go to the altar where we find grace, grace and truth. And in the kingdom of God, grace is always coupled with truth. And if you remember, I talked about this as the components of salt, sodium and chloride. And sodium alone will kill you, and grace alone will kill you, and chloride alone will kill you, and truth alone will kill you. But without sodium and chloride combined in your body, you will die. And without grace and truth combined in the kingdom of God expressing, you'll never come to life in Christ. And I brought this whole analogy of Saul. I talked about Zacchaeus, who was a wee little man up in the tree, and how God saw him, Jesus saw him the way God did, and that we need to see people the way God sees people. I hope this week you've thought about this. When you see somebody, and they might irritate you, they might be a tax collector in your mind, they might be on the other side of the political aisle in your view, that all of a sudden you need to understand it's, it's God's plan for us to see people the way God sees them. And then I talked about James chapter 1 and, and the reflection of the mirror, and we tied all that in. Do you, you remember these components? You remember these discussions? So let me just rehearse again. Salt, uh, Zacchaeus, or seeing people, seeing people the way God sees them in James chapter 1. The reason I want to just share with you those three things is because this was with a message I spoke last week that I prepared two weeks ago. But four weeks ago, somebody in our church Somebody you may not know unless you're involved in kids' ministry and you see kind of the behind-the-scenes guy working there. Somebody in our church sent me this picture, and this is their whiteboard and their, their prayer focus for the month of August. And that, there it is laid out, and as we zoom in a little closer, you can see, view others as God views them, salt and light, memorize James chapter 1. And how many of you know, as I was preaching the message last week, this person is sitting in the congregation saying, I've been hearing what you've been hearing. God's been having a conversation. What happened is conversation became confirmation that we're all hearing the voice of God. And I'm thankful James Bird 
sent me the, the board because James is who I'm talking about. He's a behind-the-scenes guy. He's not going to get up here and preach, but he hears the voice of God. You can hear the voice of God. Does the fire of God burn within you? Are you the church of illumination God's called you to be? Are we playing religious games? Or are we becoming the people God has called us to be? I'm fed up with playing religious games. I freaked some people out this week. They don't go to our church, and we began to have a conversation, and they, they triggered a little nerve in my heart. And, and when, this, when this particular nerve gets triggered, I have a, a, an overreactive perspective, and I acknowledge it, and I'm asking God to help me with it. But let me just tell you something. I'm not sure I'll bring this in both services today, but I'm going to bring it here. I am tired of hearing the church blame the sinners for the problems in the land. All the unrighteous. Did you catch the inflection at the end? The unrighteous. It's the unrighteous fault that America's not this or this hasn't happened nationally or If we could only get rid of all those drug dealers and pimps and prostitutes and people that don't believe the way we believe, this world would be a better place. This nation would then have the blessing of the Lord. I want to say to you, you're blaming darkness for the absence of light, and there's never a problem with darkness when there's an absence of light. There's a problem with light not being light when darkness is abundant. Come on. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I will heal the land and revival will be awakened and spiritual activation will happen in the body of Christ and entire cities will begin to come to Jesus Christ. Stop blaming the lost. They don't know Jesus. You do. Just happen to your world. Be the light he's called you to be. Mm. The problem in the world has never been the abundance of darkness. The problem in the world has always been the absence of light. And if you've bought in to the complaining negativity that's blaming somebody else, then you've bought into the most original distraction you find in Scripture where Adam blamed Eve, and Eve blamed the serpent, and nobody took responsibility. What has Christianity become to you? You do understand Jesus is the hope for our society. He's the hope for this city. And and you understand we are hoping Jesus will reach our city. And He is hoping we will reach our city. Because the church is God's hope for humanity. Awaken to the things of God, stem in the middle, sixth expression, the oil of the Spirit, the flame, the light. He's the light, now we're the light. What is Christianity to you? Is it the place where we kind of break into our subculture ideologies and we sing our songs and we have our worship and then we kind of creep out into the 
bad, bad, dark place and hope it doesn't get on us. And if it does, we get spiritually cleansed when we come back to the house of God. Come on. I, I am, I, you know why it's funny? Because it is the mindset of many Christians in the world you and I live in today. We're not called to be a subculture that dwells in a box disconnected from the world. We're called to take over the world. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In my workplace as it is in heaven. In my neighborhood as it is in heaven. Rick Warren said this. It's a powerful quote. Christianity began as a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When it went to Athens, it became a philosophy. When it went to Rome, it became an organization. When it went to Europe, it became a culture. And when it came to America, it became a business. And we've raised up the product of the church to attract the consumers to come in to get everything they can to decorate their life as good as it it can possibly be because Jesus is the way to happiness. Don't you amen this, by the way. Jesus is the way to a better life. Jesus is the way to increase in prosperity. Jesus is the way to the stuff we really want. No, Jesus is the way, period. He's supposed to be what you really want. But that doesn't sell well, so the American church has added a little extra to make it more marketable so people will want what it is we're selling, and we need to repent. I'm not here to sell you anything. I'm here to tell you this kingdom centers around a cross, and not only did your king have to die for this kingdom to expand, you will have to die to yourself for the kingdom of God to expand in your life, and then you will understand what life, true life, really is all about. Oh, I feel the anointing of God in the room. Leonard Ravenhill said, The greatest tragedy ever is a sick church in a dying world. A church that's distracted by being so self-absorbed that they just want enough Jesus to bless them. I want you to know It makes sense. I want to speak to the writ of covenant relationships in this room today. It makes sense that we will pray for God to help us. My daughter's, one of my daughters sitting right over here, and my prayer for Faith and for Lexi, since they were very little, God, you prepare the young men that you have called to become our son-in-laws one day that will come into their life. And I began to pray, Lord, capture their heart, capture their affection, and any time they do something wrong, let them be found out to keep them on the straight and narrow. There are two very frustrated little boys that have been growing up that I've been praying for. (laughs) Every time they do anything, they get caught. And it makes sense to me as a dad that I want my girls to find someone that'll make them happy. But the problem is, that's a worldly philosophy that's crept into the church. And if you're trying to find somebody who'll make you happy, you're not, you, you're not loving them, you're using them. And the church is endorsing such nonsense because we don't understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Marriage is not a tool. Now, I'm not saying you can't be happy in marriage. My marriage is blissfully happy. It's just that it's the result, not the pursuit. And marriage is not a tool God wants to use to make you happy. Marriage is a tool God wants to use to make you holy, that you might become more like Jesus. Are you having marriage problems today? Are you going to let them drive you to become more like Christ? Or are you going to become insolent and say, I deserve to be happy? Ah! There is a demon trying to destroy people's lives, and the church is patting people on the back, giving them endorsement. Such nonsense exists in the body of Christ, and I'm furious about it. Can you tell? Holy Spirit, help us to get this right. Help us to get this right. I want to challenge you. Are you spiritually activated? I felt the Lord was asking me to challenge you in something else today. Are you ready for this? Are you spiritually activated? And are you financially activated? We're all good until it starts getting personal. God has purpose that every time you increase, you come face to face with the reality that you have increased. Did you produce that increase or did God produce that increase? And when you do it His way, you honor Him with the first fruits of that which has come into your life and you are financially activated. The Bible says it this way, give, Luke 6, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Men will give into your life. Do you understand? You're financially activated when you honor God with the increase of your you don't, you don't have to. <laughs> Some of you in the room feel a sense of shame as I'm talking about this because this just hadn't been a good area for you. I just say serve notice on the enemy and start to make some progress. Take some steps in the right direction and see what God will do. As you give, guess what will happen? It will be given to you. Good measure, press down, shake the other, running over. Men and women will start to recognize and notice you. Promotions and increase and advancement will come your way. Let's stand together. Brokenness is your willingness to be inconvenienced for the purposes of God. Getting in the Word, spending time in prayer, gathering together, fasting, praying, loving, serving, giving. I want the blessing of God on my life. And I mainly want the blessing of God on my life so the blessing of God can escape my broken life into the earth around me and I can be a part of the example Jesus set to see the world become a better place. That's, that's what he's calling you to do. That's what he's calling you to do. Holy Spirit, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord God. Bless you, Lord. Take us deeper, Lord, into the truth of your word. I pray, Lord, everything I got right this morning, you would seal it in our hearts. And anything I've missed, Lord, I pray you just strike it from the record. Help us just to grow deeper in you. And we all know that none of us have it all figured out. We're all on a journey trying to find our way. 
but you're doing something special. You're doing something supernatural in this season of life. We want to not put our hands on the anointing and handle it and use it. Lord, we want to surrender to everything you're desiring to do. In the name of the Lord.